0: Uh, called Spirit Lead Me, and it's a series about the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is not a force or an idea or a guiding principle. The Holy Spirit is a person, it's the third person of the triune God Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God's presence with us, God's very person with us, uh, in us. The Holy Spirit is a way that we can uh, know God's love, it's a way that we can know God's power. It's a way that we can be transformed to become uh, more like Jesus. The Holy Spirit is God's very presence with us, working in our lives every day to give us power to live a life that pleases God, to enable us to hear from God, to experience God's presence and love and peace uh, in our lives. Uh, The Holy Spirit is wonderful that God is with us. Jesus gave his life for us, and then he gave his life to us by giving us the Holy Spirit So we've been exploring uh, this over the last few weeks. We've looked at the person of the Holy Spirit. We've looked at the power of the Holy Spirit. We've looked at the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we've also looked at uh, the um, fruit of the Spirit. And today I want to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. As Alex said, we're going to do three weeks on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. This week's kind of laying the foundation. And over the next two weeks, we're going to go through... All of the gifts listed in the Bible. We're going to talk about teaching and healing and miracles and speaking in tongues and prophecy and faith and help and leadership and service. We're going to talk about all the gifts of the Spirit and I'm going to try and explain them uh, for you and uh, just really praying that'll make sense to you, and you'll have that aha moment where you go, oh, this is how God has shaped me. This is how God has gifted me. This is how I can use the supernatural power that God has given me to build up the church. So I'm really praying uh, for that, the gifts of the Spirit. So God gives us his Holy Spirit. That's the biggest and best gift. God gives himself to us. The Spirit is a gift from God, God himself to us. But then the Holy Spirit also gives us spiritual gifts, gives us uh, supernatural abilities, gives us special power, special ways to serve the church and to build up the body. Some of them are really impressive, like a miracle, working miracles, or uh, prophecy. Some of them are behind the scenes, like service and help and hospitality. But all of them are supernatural in origin. All the spiritual gifts are God's power with us, God's power in us, God's power through us. You have, if you're a follower of Jesus and you receive the Holy Spirit, you have at least one spiritual gift, probably more. Supernatural abilities. You're basically a superhero. You have supernatural power, not to use for yourself in a self-indulgent way, but to use to build up and bless the church. So when you realize, oh man, I have not just the Spirit of God with me, but I have God's power in me, and he's given me special abilities to use to build up the church, what do you do with that? Well, you have to discover them, you have to develop them, and you have to deploy them. So how do you discover your spiritual gifts? Maybe you don't know what they are. Maybe you're like, well, I've read about those, and I've heard about them, and I've seen other people use their gifts, but I don't, I don't even know what mine are, let alone how to use them well. So how do you discover your spiritual gifts? Well, there's a few things. First of all, you have a crack at ministry, and you see what makes a difference. You just try a bunch of things. You just explore and say, hey, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that. I'm going to try that. And then you look for the places and the ways where God uses you more than your natural ability. Right? We all have natural abilities, but spiritual gifts are supernatural abilities. They come when you become a follower of Jesus. So you didn't have them before you were a follower of Jesus, before you received the Holy Spirit. So you try a bunch of ministries, and you see where there's a supernatural difference, where there's a Holy Spirit X factor. That's one way you discover your gifts. Another way you discover them is through prayer. We see in, the, in the, uh, Paul's letters uh, to the churches, there's times where the church prays for individual people, and they receive a gift, or it becomes aware that they have a gift. So through prayer, Lord, can you show me, can you, can you help me understand what my gifts are, I want to discover them. And, and the third way you discover your gifts is through other people, through people coming to you and saying, you know, when you do this, God really uses you. I remember being like maybe 16 or 17 years old, or maybe 18, and I think I did my first talk in church, right? It was a communion talk or something like that. And afterwards, the pastor's wife came to me, Anne, and she said, you know, Mark, I think you might have the gift of teaching. Because when you explain the Bible, it just makes sense to people. Like, I think you should um, develop that gift. I think you should work on your Bible teaching, because I think maybe God's put that in you. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And then more and more over the years, that's been affirmed by other people that actually God has given me uh, the gift of teaching. Not for myself, but to help the church. You've got to discover them. You've got to develop them. Developing them is about fanning into flame. Paul says to Timothy, an older Christian leader to a younger Christian leader, fan the gifts that are in you into flame. Develop them. Work on them. Strengthen them. Use them. Don't neglect them, but harness them and develop them and work on them. So once you know what your gifts are, then you develop them. One of the ways you do that is you find people who are further down the track with the same gifts as you, and you learn from them. So say you've got the gift of faith, right? God gives you supernatural power to believe he's going to do great things. It doesn't make sense. It's just faith. How do you develop that gift? Well, you find other people in the church that have that gift, and you learn from them. You draw from them. You use your gifts. as one way you develop them, but you also develop them by learning from others. So you've got to discover them. You've got to develop them, and thirdly, you have to deploy them. Deploying them is about using the gifts that are in you for the sake of the kingdom. So over the next few weeks, we're going to look at the spiritual gifts. We're going to talk through the whole list. I do have a little handout for you. The handout's really for next week and the week after, right? So it's like notes on um, all the gifts we find uh, in the scriptures. But today, I want to lay a foundation about spiritual gifts, Because this is what Paul does in 1 Corinthians when he's talking about spiritual gifts. First he lays a foundation about what it means to be spiritual, what it means to live the Jesus life, and then he goes on to explain how all the different gifts work. So I want to do that too. I want to begin by looking at uh, what does it mean to be spiritual? What does it mean to live the spirit-filled life? And we see this in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I should have the uh, text up on the screen as well for us. Beautiful. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is given for the common good. Paul Paul begins by saying, I I want you to understand the gifts of the Spirit. In fact, in that verse 1, where he says, I don't want you to be... Uh, now about the gifts of the Spirit, it literally just says spirituals in the Greek. Now about the spirituals. We have to insert a word so it makes sense. We have to say now about the spiritual people or now about the spiritual things or now about the spiritual gifts. So most translators look at the rest of the passage and go, he's probably talking about spiritual gifts. Let's just put the word gift in there so that it makes sense uh, in our English translation. But Paul is saying, I don't want you to be ignorant or uninformed about the way of the Spirit, about the things of the Spirit, about how the Holy Spirit works in the church. Now, you know, brothers and sisters, when you were pagan, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God God says Jesus is cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. What is he talking about? Doesn't that sound confusing? No one can say Jesus is Lord, no one can say Jesus is cursed. What is he talking about? Well, we need to understand the background uh, in the Greco-Roman world. See, in the Greco-Roman world, we had this uh, dominant religion, I guess, uh, dominant form of spirituality was the Greco-Roman mystery cult the Greco-Roman mystery cult. And this is the idea that you could access secret knowledge and secret power through spiritual experience. It was mystery. And uh, there's two kind of key terms, uh, key concepts, is ecstasy and trance. Ecstasy, uh, not the drug, uh, but the out-of-body experience, right? Ek means out of stasis, um, is state. So to have an out-of-state experience, an out-of-body experience, is to have an ecstatic experience, right? Literally to be beside yourself, to be out of yourself. And then trance, trance is not dance music. Trance is like getting so worked up that you're in the zone, getting so focused that you kind of lock into this trance. And what would happen is... uh, Everyday people, not just the religious priests, would work themselves up. They would, through um, taking drugs, through dancing, through self-harming, through all kinds of sacrifices, they would get more and more and more lathered up, more and more and more excited, until they had this outer-body sort of trance experience, right? They would go into the spiritual zone, and often they would speak something, an ecstatic utterance. And that was the way you knew someone was spiritual because they had a spiritual experience. They had an ecstatic experience in a trance and they uttered something or did something to show that they were spiritual. And in fact, we still kind of see this in a bunch of religions around the world. I remember one day I was watching uh, Robson Green's Fishing Adventures. Any, Any Robson Green Fishing Adventures fan? It's a safe place. You can put your hand up. No one's going to judge you. British actor, goes on fishing adventures. What a great show. Anyway, one day, one day he was uh, in Mongolia, famous for its fishing, I guess. I don't know. And he had to get the blessing from this uh, kind of witch doctor to know which river to go on and that they'd catch the right fish, right? So he goes and meets this lady. She'd be in her 20s, quiet, softly spoken, gentle soul, you know, nice sort of... um, flowery feminine voice and she would kind of bow and smile and then she'd put on her gear she'd put on her uh special outfit she'd put on her mask right A Sunday afternoon I'm watching this show thinking what is going on here and then she danced for hours and hours and hours this tribal dance getting herself more and more and more worked up and then at one point when she was dancing she kind of got, got in the trance and she spoke and she spoke in like this rough, masculine voice in like, the Mongolian dialect, you know. And that was her prophecy. That was her ecstatic utterance. And I'm like, man, fishing shows have really changed. <laughs> like back in the day when it was Rex Hunt, like you would never have, you know, a uh, witch doctor in a trance. So in the time that Paul is writing to the Corinthians, everyone thinks this is what it means to be spiritual. You participate in the Greco-Roman mystery cults. You know, you work yourself into a frenzy, have an out-of-body experience, get in a trance and utter a prophecy or perform a miracle. That's how you know you're spiritual. And everyone would do that. That was kind of the normal way of relating. And Paul says, that's what you used to do. But that's not the way you know someone has the Spirit of God in them. See, all of that kind of pagan spirituality is counterfeit. Instead of prophecy, we have, you know, um, oracles. And instead of miracles, we have magic. And instead of worshipping the true God, we have idol worship and demonic worship. So Paul is saying, I don't want you to be misinformed thinking that just because you perform a miracle, just because you have a spiritual experience means you're a spiritual person. means you have the Holy Spirit. Think about our context like, isn't it the same? To, have a spiritual, to be spiritual is to have a spiritual experience. Like, more than half of people in Australia would say, I've had a spiritual experience I can't explain. Maybe they were taking ecstasy and at a dance party where there was trance music, I don't know. But they've had an experience. Well, how many people sitting in our churches across this great nation of ours would say, yeah, I'm a religious person, I'm a spiritual person. I, I do the things, I participate in worship, like everyone else, I raise my hands at the right time. I bow my head at the right time. I put my money in the offering plate at just the right time. I drink the juice at the right time. I, I, I do what everyone else does. I'm a spiritual person. And Paul is saying, yeah, actually, to be truly spiritual, is not just performing spiritual acts. It's not just the evidence of spiritual behavior. There's something at a fundamentally deeper level that shows that you are actually a follower of Jesus. It's more than just talking the talk. That's false spirituality. So false spirituality is having a spiritual experience that the rest of the culture looks in on and says, you must be a spiritual person. But then Paul talks about true spirituality. He says in verse 3, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now, it sounds like he's saying it's impossible to say those words, but he wrote them down, and I've just read them out about three times since we started church today. So he can't mean, if you have the Holy Spirit, you can't say the words, Jesus be cursed. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you can't say the words, Jesus is Lord, like I just did it. So what is he talking about? What is he talking about? It's impossible for someone to say that. I've got a, an analogy here, and it's a bit of a weird analogy, but I think, I think it'll help you understand what he's talking about. Imagine 1950s Australia, right? Imagine the conservative culture in 1950s Australia. Imagine a country town, right? You've grown up in this town. Say so a person's grown up in this town. You know, that person's now a man, and gathers together his family and friends and says to them, I want you to know that I'm actually gay. I'm coming out as, as gay in 1950s Australia, he says the words, I'm gay. Now, in, a, in 1950s Australia, or in many conservative parts of the world, to say that and for it to be believable, you have to have a pretty strong conviction, right? It's a hard thing to do in 1950s Australia to come out. Very conservative culture, a bit homophobic, like you, you'll be misunderstood. You may be unfairly treated, you may even be rejected by some people in, in that cultural context, right? So to say that, to say I'm gay, means I'm going to probably face some opposition or some pressure. Or, or, or maybe if you're like in inner city Melbourne and you come out to all your vegan friends as a butcher, same thing, right? Or if you live in Rockhampton, the beef capital of Australia, and you come out as a vegan to all your butcher friends, same thing, right? Like, Nobody would say that unless they actually believed at a deep, deep level that was true for them, right? You don't put yourself through that. It's too hard in that culture to come out like that. And for everyone else looking in, they wouldn't see it as legitimate unless they actually lived that out, lived like a, a vegan, a butcher, or a gay person in that context. So there has to be that lifestyle That matches the proclamation especially under pressure like if you're watching on you expect that person's lifestyle to match up to their words you expect even as things get tough and they face opposition and misunderstanding and confusion and rejection that they would actually follow through on that this is what Paul is talking about here he's saying true spirituality True spirituality is living out the claim that Jesus Christ is Lord, even in the face of opposition. You're a first century new Christian, you gather together, your family and friends, and you say, guys, I have an announcement to make. I'd like everyone to know that I'm no longer recognizing Caesar as king. I'm recognizing Jesus as King, and I'm no longer going to participate in worship with you. I'm not going to go down to the temple. I'm not going to participate in the Greco-Roman mystery cult. I'm not going to work myself up into a state and get into a trance and do an or- oracle. All that's gone, and I'm now living for Jesus. That's what Paul is talking about. It is the proclamation backed up by the lifestyle, backed up by the fruit of the Spirit, That is how you know someone is spiritual. Not because they have experiences, but because they live out that claim that Jesus Christ is Lord, even in the face of opposition and misunderstanding. It's not just saying the words. It's that the Holy Spirit's presence empowers the believer to live out the claim Jesus Christ is Lord. And Paul is saying, if you don't have the Holy Spirit You're not going to be able to live out the claim Jesus Christ is Lord in the face of pressure and opposition. It won't be believable. No one will buy it. And if you don't have the Spirit, you know, if you do have the Spirit and you say Jesus Christ is cursed, like you can't live that out because you'll be convicted by the Holy Spirit. So Paul is talking about true spirituality is not just having religious experiences, it's not just going through the motions, but rather. It is the presence of the Holy Spirit that enables us to live out the claim that Jesus Christ is Lord. Has that happened for you? You might have had experiences. You might participate in worship. You might have been dedicated as a child or even baptized at one point in your life. But is the Holy Spirit present in your life? And are you living out the claim that Jesus Christ is Lord even in the face of misunderstanding, rejection, and opposition, and fear? That is the true mark of spirituality. Without the Spirit's presence, you can't do that. That's what he's talking about in those first three verses. And then he goes on to talk about the gifts themselves. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. Different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same uh, Spirit at work. He uses three words, gift, Same gift, sorry, different gift, different service, and different working. First of all, a gift. Paul wants us to understand that the supernatural abilities we have from the Holy Spirit are gifts. They are not a reward. It is not an accolade. It is not an achievement. It's a gift. So you can't brag about your gifts and say, I've actually achieved a gift of teaching. I've, like, leveled up. And uh, I went on stage and I shook their hand and they gave me my certificate and put the medallion around my neck and I posed for the photograph. I've achieved it. No, it's a gift. It's a gift. Everything you have from the Holy Spirit is an undeserved gift. So you can't claim to be uh, superior. You can't claim to be inferior. It's the one spirit that gives gifts. So like all gifts, they are to be received with gratitude, with joy, and then to use the gifts as are intended. You have gifts from the Spirit. Second word we see is uh, that they are services. Different kinds of service. Uh, it's the same word we get deacon from. And it's, it's a word that literally means the waiter. Picture a romantic dinner. Husband and wife, maybe fiancé and fiancé, out for dinner. Fancy restaurant, you know, dressed up to the nines, got the fancy perfume on. Um, everything, and they're sitting at this fancy table and they have a waiter who serves them for the entire meal. How does the waiter feel? Invisible, but helpful, right? The waiter goes home and, the, and he says to his, his wife, you know, here I am at work, busting my gut, day in, day out, night in, night out, like I'm going above and beyond, you know? I've got the towel draped over my little arm, and yeah, you know, I've got like my bow tie on, and I'm making sure the string quartet's playing just right. Like the candles are perfectly lit. Like I'm, I'm acing it. I'm serving so well. Do they ever look into my eyes? Do they ever stop and thank me? Do they ever want to pose for a photo? Do they ever say to me, "Hey, can we take a photo of you?" Never. It never happens. It's like I'm an invisible servant. Yeah, you're a a waiter. You're meant to be helpful and a blessing, but you're not the main attraction. You're not the star of the show. So if you serve in this church with your spiritual gifts and you feel like, am I invisible? Like no one ever stops and gives me a medal for serving. Like no one ever says, come up on stage. We just want to pose for a photo because the way you've been intercessory uh, prayer, you know, the way you've been praying for us has just been unbelievable. What a hero. Here's your medal. If you feel invisible as you serve, you're kind of supposed to because it's a kind of service. It's not, you're not meant to be famous. You're meant to be helpful. Does that make sense? It's a gift. It's a service. And last of all, it's a working. That word literally is the word energy. Power. Your spiritual gift comes with batteries. It's powerful. God hasn't forgot to include the batteries in your present. Oh, I've got this gift of faith, but doesn't work. Never going to happen. Oh, I've, I've got the gift of healing, but doesn't work. I've got the gift of hospitality, but doesn't seem to make a difference. No, no. There are different kinds of power. That different kinds of work, different kinds of energy, all the spiritual gifts have power to build up the body of Christ. Do you believe that? You have a gift. Use it in a helpful way. It's not about you, it's about the body. And as you do that, God will use you. He will use you. Do you know what your gifts are? You have them if you're a follower of Jesus you've got them they might be different to those around you but you definitely have them are you using them have you discovered them are you developing them and are you deploying them are you using them for the sake of the kingdom and just as as the worship team comes back up I thought it would be really good to pray for each other like maybe you're sitting here going oh mark this is interesting I'm really interested in this whole spiritual gifts thing because I have no clue What mine are? Uh, I don't know how they work. I don't know what I've got. I know I'm supposed to have something, but I feel like I've got nothing. Do you know what yours are? Or, Or maybe you're just discouraged and you say, yeah, like years ago I would have said I have the gift of teaching or the gift of faith, but I don't know, or the gift of wisdom or a word of knowledge. Or maybe you've got an apostolic gifting and God uses you to break new ground for the kingdom, but you've kind of lost confidence in that. And you think, yeah, I, I think I know what I've got. I've just stopped believing that there's power in the gifts the Holy Spirit has given me. I think it would be good to, to pray for each other, to pray around those three things, discover, develop, deploy. So I wonder if we can maybe pray in those, in those categories. You know, So in a sec, I'll, I might just get you to stand up where you are. If you're like, I don't know what mine are, but I'm keen to discover them, we, we want to pray for you pray that over the next few weeks and the weeks to come that it would become clear how the Holy Spirit has gifted you and you would see his fingerprints as his spirit works through you to build up the body. Then after that we'll pray for those who need to develop their gifts. You've stalled and you need to reactivate. So this is you and you're like man I've never heard of this before I don't know what mine are or I have heard about spiritual gifts but I don't know what mine are I want to discover them if that's you I just encourage you just to stand where you are now and we want, and those around you are just going to pray for you you don't need to say anything but it's just a way to say hey I want to grow in this area I want I want to discover how God has gifted me so I can use it for the kingdom if that's you can you stand up now and those around you are going to pray for you it doesn't need to be a big deal no, that's great I'm sure there's a few more I doubt everyone else in the room is like, man, I've got mine down pat. Hey, if someone near you is standing up or if someone stands up as we pray, can you just uh, maybe put your hand on them, on their shoulder, just as a way to stand with them? And I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit would reveal how he's gifted uh, these folks standing. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you yourself are the great gift. And, Lord, that you give special power to, Lord, each and every believer. And by your power, they can live out the claim that Jesus Christ is Lord, even in the face of opposition. And, Lord, we believe that each one has gifts different to those around them, maybe, Lord, but still present, still powerful. So, Lord, for those that are standing up now, I pray that they would discover their gifts, Lord, that you'd make it clear to them how you've gifted them so that they may use their gifts build up the body Lord next week and the week after as we unpack each gift and talk about what it is and how it works Lord I pray that there'd be this Holy Spirit energy and resonance in their lives Lord that those around them would come and say I believe God's given you this gift or even now as we're praying that they would have clarity as they understand how you've gifted them so Lord we ask you to reveal the gift that we can unwrap it so we can develop it Amen. you can grab a seat. Thank you. Now for for those that say, yeah, look, I know what um, my gifts are, but I don't know what to do with that. I don't know how to further develop them. I feel like I'm just stuck or stalled or I've kind of gone nowhere in that. If that's you, do you want to stand up? I want to pray that God would help you to develop your gifts, to fan them into flame, to build on them, to sharpen them, to train them and hone them for you. If that's you, do you want to stand up now? just saying hey i want to develop in this area i want to i want to get better at using my gifts i want to learn how to serve the body of christ more effectively so i can have a bigger impact for the kingdom someone you used standing up again if you want to put your hand on their shoulder and just join with us as we pray together yeah very good lord i'm so encouraged by that verse uh, where you say where paul says to timothy do not neglect the gift that you received when the hands were laid on you but fan it into flame Lord I thank you that my brothers and sisters standing here today want to do that they want to fan into flame they don't want to neglect the gift you've given them but they want to develop it so Lord I pray even now that they would have that clear path of what they can do to develop that gift the people they can partner with and learn new opportunities Lord greater insight and I pray that this next season of their lives would be a very fruitful season as they as they develop those gifts hone them fan them into flame utilize them and maximize them for the sake of the kingdom thank you god that it's your power and you're working within us amen